We're going to look at Genesis chapter 32. Uh, we're going to read together from verse 22 to verse 32, okay? And we're going to read from English Standard Version. So don't try to read from NIV or something like that, okay? Try to find, if possible, English Standard Version. But if you do not have ESV, feel free to shout out your NIV or an NSB, whatever version. More than welcome. Jesus loves other version as well, okay? So we're going to read in count of three, yeah? One, two, three. The same night he rose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the fort of Tejabal. He took them and sent them across the stream, and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go. For the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask for my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place, place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day, the people of Israel do not eat sinews of the tie that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the tie. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father, we... Thank you for this wonderful, wonderful passage that we just read. And I pray, Lord, for the next 50 minutes, anoint my heart, anoint my mouth, so that I'll be able to communicate your words clearly, so that when we leave this place, we understand, Lord, we understand what it is that you want from us, from our life. And I pray tonight, Lord, the same encounter that Jacob experienced with you that night. I pray that tonight there will be people who encounter you, Jesus. There will be people who for the first time, their eyes are open and know that you are God. So I pray and I ask you, because you are the only one who can do this, Holy Spirit. So help us. We want to listen to your word. Help our hearts. Help our ears to be able to understand, to be able to hear. And pray that when we leave this place, we understand, Lord, that in fact there is a fight that we must learn to lose. And we ask this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. So I titled the sermon today, um, The Fight That You Must Learn to Lose. Now, the moment you read that title, some of you straight away thinking, hold on a second, what do you mean by fight that you must learn to lose? Because I don't know how you were wired. The way I was wired, the way I'm wired, I do not get into a fight that I know I will lose. Anyone, any, anyone like me? I only get into a fight that I know I can certainly win. That's me, right? Like, so if I know that this is a fight that I'm going to lose, I'm not going to get into that fight. But in fact, the Bible is going to teach us today there's a fight that you must learn to lose. Why? Because in fact, in losing this fight, you actually win. But if you win this fight, you actually lose. So there's this fight, and, and this fight is not optional. It's not like, yeah, okay, this fight might be cool for him or her, but not for me. No. Every single Christian must face this fight. And let me tell you, this is the most important fight of your life. So this is more important the fight for your dream. This is more important for the fight for the love of your life. This is the most important fight of your life. Why? Because what is at stake is life. What is at stake is your life. And listen to me. In this fight, you must learn to lose. Because if you do not lose in this fight, you are not gaining anything. So you with me? So some of you are like, I still don't get it. I don't get it yours. Let me explain, okay? So we're going to take a look at um, this particular fight in, in the life of a man called Jacob. Um, if you've been reading your Bible, then you know this particular character by the name of Jacob. is very, very interesting character. Like this guy, this dude messed up every single thing that he touched in his life, right? I mean, if you read your Bible, this guy like, poof, man, if his name can appear in the Bible, there's hope. My name might appear in the Bible if God rewrote the Bible, right? So because this guy messed up again and again, this guy continued to make mistake after mistake, mistake after mistake. But yet, 
we call them, we call him today one of the heroes of the Bible. And you're like, what, what, what is happening here? And this, and this particular fight is the fight that transformed his life forever. You with me so far? Okay. So we're going to take a look at this particular fight. But in order for us to understand how important this fight is, we have to go back and understand the life of Jacob. Okay. So I'm going to give you a five minutes, seven minutes review of the life of Jacob. Okay. Jacob is the son of whom? Isaac and? Rebecca. Okay, I hope you guys read your Bible, right? Isaac and Rebecca have a child by the name of Jacob and Esau. So Jacob is the son of Isaac and Rebecca, but at the same time, he is the grandson of Abraham and Sarah. So listen to this. So, so the thing about Jacob is this. Um, God has promised to Abraham, if you read Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abraham this way. Abraham, out of you will come a seed, a seed that will bless the whole world. And Abraham, out of you will come this figure, this man, from which every single family in the earth shall be blessed. You remember that? Genesis chapter 12. That's the promise of God to Abraham. So with another word, um, this is what we need to understand. That means in every single generation, God will choose a single person, a man, a particular person, a particular leader of the family to carry the seed of promise. Because God promised that out of Abraham's descendant, every family of the earth shall be blessed. So therefore, from Abraham to Messiah, which is we know Jesus, then the, the seed will be carried. Now, the problem is this. Who should carry the seed? Now, Abraham has how many sons? Two. His name is Isaac and Ishmael. So which one carried the seed? Well, it's not hard. Which Isaac carried the seed. Why? Because Isaac was the son of? Sarah, which is the promised one, okay? That's all. So it's okay for us. Hey, we can make sense of it. Well, Isaac is the, the, the son of the legitimate wife. Well, Ishmael, uh, she had the wrong mom. So, so, okay, we get it. But then there's a problem. There's a problem. Now, Isaac and Rebekah gave birth to twin. No, 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 this is a problem. Twin. So uh, which one of these two will carry the seed? You with me so far? This is, there's a tension. So there's twin. And then God, God, uh, God graciously declared to Rebekah, he says this, the older shall serve the younger. You remember that part? That means this, you know what? I have chosen my seed. I have chosen the special one. The blessing will be, belong to Jacob, not Esau. So this is what happened. But in the culture of those days, the one that actually received the special blessing, actually the firstborn. So if you're firstborn, you're lucky. I'm, I'm, I'm not the firstborn, so... Uh, thank God that God do not choose the firstborn. But, um, but if you're firstborn, you're lucky because you, culturally speaking, you get to carry this special blessing. So, so now we have Jacob and Esau. And God has chosen Jacob, but Esau was the firstborn. Now, there's a tension here. And this is what, what I love. So God already said, no, 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 I chose Jacob. But yet, the story tells us this. From the very moment Jacob was born, Jacob tried to wrestle Esau offered the firstborn blessing. Now, I love it. So from the very moment they were come out of their, their mom's womb, what happened is Esau came out first, and then the funny thing, Jacob came out second, but Jacob holding on to his brother's leg, you know, as if he's like, come on, no, 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 me first, me first, me first. He, he does not want to let go the right of being firstborn. I love the idea. So that's why his dad and mom like, oh my God, my, my son is a wrestler. Let's give him the name Jacob, which means he'll grabber. And another name of Jacob, another meaning of the name of Jacob is this, deceiver, liar. Now think about it. You know, I don't get it. Why would anyone name their son liar? Okay, think about it. Oh my gosh, your baby's so cute. What is his name? Liar. Like, so that's the way it works. So they name Jacob liar. But that is the story of Jacob's life. All of his life, Jacob continued to wrestle and continued to lie to get what he wanted. No. So long story short, what happened is, so now uh, Isaac, even though he already heard from God that God chose Jacob, Isaac loved Esau. Now there's a tension now. Isaac loved Esau. Why? Because Esau was the man's man. Esau was macho. Esau loved to hunt in the wilderness. Like if Esau has favorite TV show, it's man first as well. Okay, this is like the man, man. But Jacob, uh, he's a mommy boy. Like he liked to stay at home and watch uh, Master Chef. That's what he, what he likes to do. So, so we have this tension with, um, between the mommy boy and the man man. And that's why Isaac loved Esau. But then Isaac also knew that God has chosen 
Jacob. So what Jacob did, because Jacob knew that his dad loved Esau more than him, Jacob cheated Esau of Esau's blessings. So one day, he pretended to be Esau. He knew the time has come for the father, for Isaac, to bless Esau. So he cheated Esau. So he pretended to be Esau. He's like, Dad, <clears throat> Dad, uh, here's your firstborn. I come with the food that you asked for. And um, Isaac asked this particular question. Isaac asked this question. Who are you? And what did Jacob say? I am Esau, your firstborn. And with that word, Jacob stole Esau's blessing. And then after that, the Bible says, Esau became really angry and Esau wanted to kill Jacob. So what did Jacob do? Jacob ran to the house of his uncle Laban. And then he spent most of his life there. Now he ran for his life. Now fast forward a few years. Now in Genesis chapter 32, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 32, uh, Jacob was extremely rich. Very rich. Uh, so throughout the years, what happened is this. So Jacob continued to wrestle to get what he wanted. And then he met the love of his life. He's like, oh my gosh, you're just so pretty. You're so beautiful. I want you. And he says, Laban, I want your daughter. And Laban said, okay, you can have my daughter. Work for me seven years. And then Jacob worked for seven years. And then Jacob got married. And then after Jacob do the thing that men do at night up with his wife, in the morning when Jacob woke up, Jacob said, well, oh my gosh, how come you look like your sister without makeup? Right? Oh, wait, you're her. So now Jesus is like, oh, marry the wrong person. And Laban, what do you do? And then finally Jacob woke for another seven years for the love of his life. And then Jacob now has two wives who are sisters. How weird is that, right? Imagine Sarah and Rachel marrying the same man, but no. That would be very awkward. But that's what's happening. So the two sisters marry the same man. And the Bible says this. Now these two sisters begin to compete with one another. You know what they do? Who can give my husband the most son? Like, oh, so they give it, rah, rah, rah. And finally, um, that's why the Bible says that Jacob ended up with how many sons? Twelve sons. That's a lot of sons, right? So because the wife compete with one another, who can give Jacob the most son? And so by the time we reach Genesis chapter 32, um, basically God says this, Jacob, time's up. I want you to go back to your homeland, Canaan. And by this time, Jacob was extremely rich. Jacob had everything that he wanted. Jacob was a con man above every con man. He's just extremely smart, extremely deceitful, and he always got what he wanted. But then, he understand, if he had to go home to where he belonged, Canaan, that means he has to face his greatest nightmare. Who? His brother, Esau. Because 20 years ago, when he left his homeland, Esau wanted to kill Jacob. And now, Jacob knows, if I have to go back home, I have to meet my brother. And this dude is brilliant. Okay, he's smart. So, okay, let me, let me, let me try to win his heart. So what he did, so uh, he sent messengers. I'm going to let my brother know that I'm coming, so he's not going to be surprised. You know, oh, he's going to get angry. So uh, Jacob sent messengers uh, back home to let Esau know, Esau, your brother is coming home. All right? And then when the messenger came back to Jacob, 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 your brother is on his way to see you. And Jacob like, oh my gosh, my brother must have missed me. Like, okay, he might, you know, after all this year, he come all the way here to meet me? Yes, but I'm not finished. What is it? He came with 400 men. Now, that's a problem. I mean, if, if, if Esau came with four men, I can understand. You know, traveling in those days are dangerous. There's a lot of bandits, wilderness. Four men, all right. Even 40 men, yeah. 400 men? No. Okay. 400 men is the size of a small army. So now Jacob thinking, oh my gosh, my brother's coming to meet me with a small army. Now, if you're Jacob, what is in your mind right now? Only one. My brother want to kill me. You with me? So that's the only thing that is, oh my gosh, my brother want to kill me because I cheated him off of, of his blessing. And then, and then, the night before Jacob had to encounter Esau. Jacob was extremely afraid. Jacob was praying to God for the first time in his life. He never prayed before. For the first time in his life, he prayed to God, Oh Lord, I am scared. Please help me. My brother wanted to kill me. And then Jacob sent, um, sent his family all over, um, across the Jordan, across the river, and then he remained alone. Now, so Jacob prayed. Remember Jacob prayed? What did Jacob pray for? God, save me from Esau. And when Jacob was alone in the middle of the night, God answers 
Jacob prayer. How? Very, very strange. God answers Jacob's prayer for safety with what? A wrestling match. Now, some of you are like, what is happening? That's where we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 32. You with me? So now Jacob, in the darkest night of his life, Jacob is fighting for his life. Jacob wanted safety. Jacob prayed to God, God help me. And then God said, all right, this is my answer. Time for you to have wrestling match. Okay? Let's pick it up. The first thing, we're going to talk about the four things that happened in the story. And I'm going to give you five quick observations, and then we finish. The first thing. The first thing that we can see happening is this. God pursue Jacob. Okay? We see that in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, think about it. This is weird. Jacob was all alone. All his family already um, on the other side of the river. He was all alone. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a man show up and begin to wrestle with Jacob. Now, the question is this. Who the heck is this man? Are you with me? So, because now the question, who the heck? I, I almost cussed. Who the heck is this man? Who the heck is this man? Now, so some commentator says this. Well, it might be bandits. Well, possible. Or it might be uh, Esau's guardian angel. Possible. Or it might be the angel of the Lord, which is also possible. But yet, if we read the narrative of the story, then we know. Jacob is really clear. The story is really clear that this man is not ordinary angel. How do I know? Because this. First of all, it says this. I have the man, whoever the man is, he had to go at dawn. That means this. When the sun comes, he has to go. He has to go. Why? Well, if it's angel, that's not making any sense. Is that a vampire angel? Like, you know, like that's the angel that's not like sunlight? Like, or, or maybe, maybe does, does angel have curve for you? Like, it does not make any sense. The only logical explanation is, is the man that wrestled with Jacob was none other than who? God. Okay, that's not a tricky question, by the way. Uh, because now, because why is not a tricky question? Even Jacob mentioned that. If you read in verse 30, this is what Jacob said. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying what? For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So we know Jacob himself said, this is God. So we don't have to guess. I mean, we don't have to guess. This is, you know, guardian angel. And you know, no, no, we're clear. This is God. The man who wrestled with Jacob was God. My question, why did God wrestle with Jacob? Let me tell you the answers. Because God pursued Jacob. The thing about Jacob is this. Jacob knew a lot about God. Jacob heard many stories about God from his dad, Isaac, from his grandfather, Abraham. So Jacob knew about the God of their fathers. Jacob knew. In fact, not only Jacob knew a lot about God, Jacob received the promises of God. So he experienced dreams, visions, telling him promises of God. So he knew that. And not only that, but Jacob also experienced the favor of God. He became very rich. He had two wives, 12 children. So he experienced the favor of God. So Jacob had um, knowledge about God. Jacob has dreams about God. Jacob has the promises of God. Jacob experienced the favor of God, but there's one thing that Jacob do not have. Do you know what it is? Personal experience with God. Jacob knew about God, but Jacob never experienced God. And that's the problem. And that's why in this story we find that God pursued Jacob. Why? Because God knew. Listen, God knew what Jacob ultimately needed was not safety from Esau. What Jacob wanted was safety from Esau, but God understands. Jacob, what you ultimately need, not safety from Esau, but what you ultimately need is me. That's why God pursued Jacob. And the same God, I believe, the same God who pursued Jacob today is pursuing you and me. And that's my conviction. So the first thing that happened in the story but is God pursue Jacob. Okay? And the second thing is this. The second thing that we see happen is God wrestle with Jacob. Now, how many of you guys ever wrestle? Anyone? Any, 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 any wrestler here? Not, not a single person? Oh, there's one, Jeremy. Okay? Oh, and Josh, and Josh. Okay, Josh and Jeremy. I guess they wrestle one another, maybe. I guess that's the way it works. Um, I never wrestle. Uh, the closest I came to wrestle is actually smacking down my knees. Right? If you don't know smack down, uh, basically uh, what I like to do with my knees um, she's, is I like to give her batisa bomb. Uh, do you know what's batisa bomb? 
Like she loved it. I, I just put her up and go, whoa, bang to, to the bed. And she loved it. And she's like, oh, QC again, QC again, QC. And she, okay, okay, one more, yeah, one more. And let me tell you, okay, I was dead after 10 minutes. And she kept saying, QC again, QC again. Now, if I was dead after 10 minutes, and that was when I was a lot fitter than I am today. If I was dead after 10 minutes, Jacob wrestled with this man all night long. That means one thing that we understand about this fight is this. This fight is not playground fight. This fight is not fight between two kiddos. No. This fight is fight between life and death. So this is an intense fight. So they try to outdo one another. They try to fight one another. They try to beat one another. And the funny thing about it is this. The wrestling match lasts all night. Now, uh, have, you, have, you, have, you ever considered, have you ever thought about it? Hold on a second. You know what's happened next, right? You read the story. You read the, we read the end, right? You know that God can easily overpower Jacob. Easily. My question is this. Why did God wrestle him all night? Why on earth did God wrestle with Jacob all night? Let me tell you the answer. And I believe you agree with me. This is from my personal experience. The reason Jacob... God wrestled Jacob all night because he is. Jacob will never know who God is until Jacob fight God with everything in him and find himself extremely frustrated at his inability to beat God. And only then Jacob know, I am wrestling God. This is my, from my personal experience. I don't know about you, but I can totally tell you this. I will never know who I'm fighting with. Unless I fight with everything I am, until, until I fight, until I become frustrated, until I become just agitated, I just become, oh my God, I, can't, I cannot beat him. Finally, I realize when I fight with everything in me and I found I cannot win no matter what, at that moment, I know, hold on a second, I'm actually wrestling God. And that, when that happened, something else happened. Because what God was seeking was to transform Jacob's heart. God was not just seeking to beat Jacob. No, no, no. God was seeking to transform Jacob's heart. And in order for God to transform Jacob's heart, God has to wrestle with him all night long. You understand this. You understand. When, when you've been struggling with God all night long, when you try to persist and you try to fight God with everything you can, but you cannot, you cannot beat him. He's just too strong for you. At that moment, when you finally decided, oh my gosh, Lord, I am so helpless. I cannot do anything anymore. At that very moment, let me tell you what happened. You encounter the goodness of God. You know it. That's my story. That's your story. That's our story. So the second thing that we see happen is God wrestle. Jacob. But the third thing, and this is probably my favorite part, okay? So the, the favorite, my favorite part of the story goes like this. God cripples Jacob in the first five, 25 and 26. It says this, when the man saw that all he did, uh, when, all, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I love this. <laughs> so after wrestling all night, after God so you know, this guy is trying his best to fight for his life. And after God, you know what? Okay, I had enough. I have to go. You know what God did? God touched Jacob. Now, the word touch in Hebrew means touch. So it's not like, you know, God is, you know, if you... Uh, uh, Read a lot of, you know, Chinese comics and Japanese manga, you know, like, oh, special tonight. No, no, no. God simply just, you know what? Jacob, I have enough fun for tonight. For tonight. I'm going to touch you. Pop. The more, a single more touch, what happened? Jacob's life was completely destroyed. What can we learn from this? Simply this. That means throughout the night while they were fighting, God was holding himself back. God was littering himself. He, he, wants, he wants to achieve something. That's the reason why they wrestle all night. If God wants to destroy Jacob, God could have done it from the beginning, very beginning. All God needed was what? A touch. Boom. Bam. Done. But listen, what happened when God finally touched Jacob? You know what Jacob realized? Jacob realized, oh my gosh, I've been fighting God. I'm not fighting men here. I'm fighting God. And how did he know? Because God destroyed him. Because God completely overpowered him. God completely destroyed him. And listen, okay? You need to understand. 
that God has to destroy Jacob's strength for Jacob to stop wrestling and start embracing God. God has to destroy Jacob's strength in order for Jacob to stop wrestling and start embracing God. And this is what I love, okay? After God touched Jacob, boom! And Jacob was what? Dislocated his hip, correct? Now, how many of you ever dislocated any part of your, uh, your body? Anyone, anyone other than me? A couple of you? Okay. Let me tell you, when I dislocated my knee, it was extremely painful. Okay, you guys were there with me. Most of you guys were there with me. You saw what happened to my face, right? I, I literally, I cannot do anything besides sitting still for the next one and a half hour. Why? Because a mere movement is enough to make me want to yell out and cuss at everyone there, okay? So, and, and there are a couple of guys, you know, they try to be nice, and they say, like, you know what? Why don't we lift you up and carry you inside the fan, okay? And then we're going to go and go to the ambulance or something like that. Let me tell you, that was a bad idea. Okay, if they do that, probably I lost my knee already today. Exaggeration. But um, it was extremely painful. Like, it was extremely painful to the point that if I just move a little bit, it's, I, I want to yell, I can't do anything. Now, this is what happened to Jacob. Remember, Jacob was in so much pain. Jacob dislocated his hip. He, was, he cannot do anything. He was powerless before the almighty, powerful God. But do you know what Jacob did? I love what Jacob did. You know what he did? He said, when God said, all right, time's up, play time's over, I got to go. You know what Jacob did? Jacob hold on to God. Jacob hold on to this man. He said, no, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Do you know what Jacob's saying? Now he understands. Oh my gosh, all this time I've been wrestling against God and now my life is over. I am powerless. I am totally destroyed before all these powerful almighty men in front of me. And now there's nothing I can do. I dislocated my hip, like my hip, and from this moment, he become crippled for the rest of his life. So now before the man go, he realized, now I needed you. I needed your blessing. I cannot let you go unless you bless me because Jacob finally realized he is wrestling with God and what he needed is the man who destroyed him. And he hold on, do not let me go. Don't mean bless me. You cannot go unless you bless me. And then the fourth thing that happened in the story. God blesses Jacob. Verse 27 to verse 32. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask for my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed, Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinews of the tie that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket on Jacob's hip on the sinew of the time. No. So go back to the story. Okay? Now Jacob was holding to God, said, God, this man, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's the, what happened. So now, I love it. The man, the man smiled, and the man said what? What is your name? Now, when God asked you a question, let me tell you, God was not seeking information. Does God know Jacob's name? Definitely. That's the reason why God was pursuing Jacob. But when God asked Jacob for his name, God was not seeking a brand new information. What God wants Jacob to know is, Jacob, I need you to acknowledge who you were before me. So when finally, when finally God said, you know what, what is your name? You know what Jacob said? My name, I am Jacob. This is very similar to what happened to Jacob 20 years ago. Someone else asked Jacob, who are you? And what did Jacob say? I am Esau, your firstborn. But now, in front of God, powerless, helpless, completely destroyed, Jacob cannot hide anything. Jacob had totally lied down before God. God knows everything. He cannot hide anything from God. And now, at this moment, God finally said, you know, Jacob, have you, have you learned your lesson? What is your name? And by answering God, I am Jacob, Jacob says this, I'm a wrestler. I'm a liar. 
I'm a deceiver. And I've been trying all my life to get what I wanted my way. But today, I cannot beat you. Today, you are too strong for me. Today, I finally realized that this is not the way I should live. And today, I am completely destroyed, helpless before you. So all I can say is, I am a liar, but I need you. And at this moment, I love it. At this moment, God smiled and said what? Jacob, from this moment, you will not be called Jacob. But what? You will be called Israel. For what? For you have fought with God and man. And you have won. Now think about it. If I fight anyone, okay, if I fight anyone and the end of the fight is me on ground, on the floor, dislocated and helpless, powerless, and like, oh, I can't do anything, please help me, begging for the other mercy, I do not call that winning. I call that what? Losing. But yet in this story, it's beautiful. God is teaching Jacob another thing. God teaching all of us a beautiful principle. Jacob, the only way you can win this fight is actually to admit that you have lost. Because only by losing this fight, you actually win. If you win the fight, you lost. And this is what God is trying to teach Jacob. And I love it. I love the fact that God is saying, you know what? When you admit who you are in front of me, Jacob, I will bless you. I will call you a winner. You are, from this moment, a winner. You've been fighting with God and man, and you have won. You with me so far? Okay? That's the end of the story. So if you ask me, what's happened next? What happened between Jacob and Esau? My answer is, read your Bible. Okay? But last now, I want to give you five observations. Okay? What can we learn from this beautiful story? Because this is a story of grace. This is a story of God who pursued Jacob. Jacob did not deserve it. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. But God pursued Jacob. And God not only pursued Jacob, God wrestled with Jacob. God fight with Jacob. And not only fight with Jacob, God crippled Jacob. Why? In order to bless Jacob. So, what can we learn? Five things. The first thing that we need to learn is, the first observation is this. We must know God personally. Okay? And this is my concern as your pastors. There are many of us who experience God in the church. And that's valid. There are many of us who experience God in the church. So when we gather together with brothers and sisters, we joy, we jump, we were excited, we experience, oh, Jesus is alive. And we enjoy church experience and communal experience. But let me tell you, even though church experience and communal experience are important, they cannot substitute the need for personal experience. They cannot. Because this is what happened, okay? Uh, and this is my concern. Because when, when I was a youth international pastor, what happened is, is there are many people who came over from overseas to came to study in Australia, uh, and they come to this church, and they were exposed to the gospel. So they finally understand, oh my God, the gospel, I see it, I get it. No, and, then, and then they see how the gospel transforms people's lives. So they see their friends starting to love Jesus. They see everyone start jumping for Jesus, start singing for Jesus, lifting their hand for Jesus. So now what happens is this. They get caught up in the experience of their friends. They get caught up in the experience of the church, and they thought they experienced the same thing. So now what happened is this. So now they're so on fire with God. So, so they begin to join ministry, usually ushers, you know, like the first, the first line of ministry, right? Ushers ministry. They join usher ministry, and then they join MC. And then they join, not only they join MC, it seems like they're growing in the knowledge about God. They know so much about the Bible. They know so much about doctrine of the gospel of grace. And they're so smart. But here's the thing. They're so on fire for God while they were in Australia. But then when they go back to Indonesia, poof. They disappear. Do you know why? Let me tell you why. Because they never experience God for themselves. All they know about God is from this communal experience when we gather together. And it's important. I'm not saying it's not important. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, what matters is not what other people say about God. At the end of the day, what matters is what you say and think about God when there's absolutely no one around you. Because that's what matters. That's how you know you have personal relationship with God. Now, let me give you one quick story. Um, when I was diagnosed with cancer um, in 2009, um, when I was admitted to the hospital, something happened. Uh, that is, I had a lot of visitors, like a lot, 
you know, I always said, oh my gosh, I'm popular. But then I realized, no, it's not, I'm not really popular. It's my dad who's popular. So they, they came over because, you know, my dad is the pastor, I'm the pastor kid. So there's this one time, um, I think this is my second night in the hospital. Like we pretty much packed out the visitor's room. Like it's like 40 people there, like all the nurses. Like, Why are there so many people here? This is like, what, what gathering is this? 40 people just came to visit me. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. And, and they're very kind. Many of them are very, very nice. You know, they say things like, you know what, you know, you're not alone. Uh, we're with you. Uh, we're fighting with you. We're praying for you. They cheer me up. They're like fighting, ganbate, stuff like that. And, and they give me all this encouragement, and I love that. In fact, um, I receive a lot of wishes. Some of them write cards. Some of them send me flowers. Some of them send me balloons. Some even gave me a teddy bear. I have no idea why will they buy me a teddy bear. But I did. I received a teddy bear with a get well soon wishes and stuff like that. Like, I'm a guy. Why would you give me a teddy bear? But yeah, you know, I'm happy. So, but the thing about it is this. It does not matter. Listen. It does not matter how genuine they were when they said, we, we're there with you, you're not alone. It does not matter how genuine they were. At the end of the day, I was alone. At the end of the day, the one that needs to go through chemotherapy is me, not them. They can't go with me. I have to experience it myself and listen to me. If my experience with God is based on church, if my experience with God is based on communal experience, that night when I have to face chemotherapy, my faith will not survive. Only personal experience with God will allow you to experience, to go to survive through the darkest night of your life. So one thing that we understand from this fight is we must know God personally. Second thing, okay? The second thing that we see happen in the story is this. We need to recognize our main problem. All of us were born as a sinner. All of us. That means this. You and I, are by default, we do not want the thing of God. By default, we want things that please ourselves. Can we agree on that? By default, we want to please ourselves. We do not want to please God by default. But yet, is this what happens is this. God pursue us. And when God pursue us, that means this. We have to choose whether we want to follow our own desire or God. Desire. And the thing about it is this. God will pick fight with you intentionally. Why? Because you need to understand your main problem in life is God. Because you refuse to trust God and you wrestle with God. Okay? Let me prove it to you. Two things. Try to think about the Greatest, one of the greatest regret in your life. Okay, you, if you're over 30, you have a lot. But if you're under 20, you probably have one or two. But just one. Just think of one of the greatest regret in your life. Can you think of one? Okay, done? Let me tell you what happened. You wrestle with God. You know what God desires, you know what you desire. And those two collide. And what happened is this you keep fighting God. You keep wrestling with God all night, but at the end of the day, you decided, I'm going to go my way. Let me tell you, isn't that what happened? Isn't that what caused one of the greatest regret in your life? Because you choose to win. But also, think about it. Now, think about one of the most transformational moments in your life, okay? I hope you have one. Think one of the moments in your life where you know that you grow the most in your love with God, where you grow the most in your walk with Christ. Think about one. Let me tell you what happened you wrestle with God again. You wrestle with God all night. You try to have your way, but you know, you just, you just somehow, you just cannot beat God. You continue to wrestle, you continue to wrestle to, to the point finally you say, you know what, God, I, I can't do this no anymore. I surrender. I lost battle. And let me tell you, when that happened, you are being transformed by God. Am I right? That's what happened. And that's the reason. We need to understand that our main problem in life is not Esau. We like to think that my, our main problem is Esau. If, God, if you just get rid of Esau, if you just give me safety from Esau, then my life will be okay. But God says, no, your main problem in life is because you refuse to trust me. You refuse to submit to me. You continue to wrestle. That's your problem. So we need to understand, if you're wrestling today, you need to understand that your main enemy is God. And the only way you can win is by losing the fight. And the third thing, the third observation that I want to make is this. Embrace the touch of God. By the touch of God, I do not mean, you know, when God makes you cry when you embrace and worship. That's called a touch of God. But what I mean by the touch of God is this, when God finally cripples you. 
when God finally decided to touch you and you're completely destroyed in front of God, you're completely helpless before God. And let me tell you, that is the grace of God. Because unless, until you come to the point where He destroys you most of the time, you will never, ever surrender to God. And that's why God in His goodness, He has to touch you. And He has to completely destroy you. And when that moment comes, you say, oh my gosh, now I understand. I've been fighting with God. And the thing about it is this. God does not need your permission to wreck your life and transform it. He's God. He does not come to you, eh, you know what, I'm going to wrestle with you tonight and I'm going to make you cripple. No, no. At the darkest moment of Jacob's life, at the moment where he think what he needed was deliverance from Esau the most, God attack him. God destroy him. God cripple him. But at that very moment, something else happened. So let me tell you, if right now, you are facing a moment in your life where you feel like God is destroying your life, You're where you feel like you are helpless, completely helpless, utterless, powerless before God, let me tell you, embrace it. Because that means God is about to do something amazing in your life. Which led me to the fourth observation. So we not only embrace the touch of God, but the fourth thing is this, you need to receive the blessing of the gospel. So what Jacob wanted was safety. What Jacob wanted was deliverance from Esau. But what God wanted was for Jacob to know what he needed was God. And I love this. So the, you understand, the greatest blessing that God can ever give to you and me is not health, it's not wealth. You think it's health and wealth, but if you read the story, what happened next? Jacob lost most of his wealth to Esau. Jacob lost almost all of his wealth to Esau. And then from that moment, Jacob crippled for the, loss, for the rest of his life. He lost his health. He's lost his wealth. But Jacob received something else. What did Jacob receive? God. And this is the most important, crucial moment that I need you to understand. Remember, if God crippled you, if God destroyed you, it's because one thing, because God wants to give you God. Because God wants to give you God, and that's what we need to embrace. And the fifth point, the last point, and I'm finished. Laura, you can come back. The fifth point is this. We win by losing. We win by losing. How many of you guys like to lose? Anyone, Anyone like to lose intentionally? How, how many of you guys are natural-born winners? Can I see your hand if you, like some of you I know? You just hate the idea of losing. But let me tell you, in, in Christianity, losing is winning. In Christianity, losing is winning. Have you heard a lot of people say this? Christianity is religion for the weak. Anyone ever, ever, ever heard that? Christianity is religion for the weak. Man, I don't, need, I don't need Christianity. I'm strong. And let me tell you, they're exactly right. Christianity is religion for the weak. It's because only when you understand that you're weak, then you understand that I need the grace of God. It is only when God completely destroys you, you finally understand what I need in life is God. And that's Christianity. That's Christianity. See, listen. God do not need strong Christian. God does not want strong Christian. What God wants is a weak Christian who know that their God is strong. That's Christianity. That's why Paul says this, God, your strength is made perfect. In what? In my weakness. That's Christianity. So if people tell you, you know, you know Christians is religion for the weak, don't hate them. Embrace them. That's exactly right. Let me tell you, I am extremely weak. I am extremely sinful. I am extremely hopeless. But let me tell you about my God. He's extremely majesty. He's extremely good. He's extremely holy. And He made me His. That's all I need to know. When I am weak, His strength made perfect. That's Christianity. That is the story of the gospel. That is the story of Jacob. Where Jacob win by how? By losing. The moment Jacob lost the battle, God looked at him and said, Jacob, you have won. And the moment, if, if Jacob continued to strive, if Jacob continued to fight, 
Jacob lost. But the moment Jacob lost and said, I cannot do anything anymore, I am helpless. All I can say is, I need you to bless me. At that moment, God says, Jacob, from this moment, your name changed. You have wrestled with God and you have won. Your name will be Israel. I give you a brand new identity. And let me finish this way. There's one mystery in the story that I think we need to struggle with. That is this. How can a holy, good, righteous, sovereign God look to Jacob, the deceiver, the sinner, the liar, and say, you are a winner? It does not make any sense. How can a good and holy and righteous God look at this sinful man, look at this liar, look at this deceiver, look at this man who continues has been wrestling all of his life to get what he wanted, and God declare, from this moment, you are a winner. It does not make any sense. For me, it does not make any sense. And I try to, you know, get my head around it, and I cannot until I read one of what Timothy Keller wrote. Okay, Timothy Keller says this, God made himself weak. Okay, and for some of you, what does it mean? Let me explain to you. Um, I recently went on a trip to Korea with my friends and his family. And my friend, he had two daughters. Well, not had, have. He had two daughters. One is four years old and one is six. Okay? They are very, if you know about kids those days at that age, they are very energetic, right? They can't stop running. They just want to play all the time. And I guess I realized now why my friend asked me to come to Korea because he needed a babysitter, right? So, um, so I came to Korea with him. And uh, so, yeah, so most of the time I, I get to play with his two daughters, his two daughters. So, and one of the things that they like to do is they like to arm wrestle with me, okay? So they do two against one, okay? Uncle, uncle, arm wrestle, two against one. So it's just me against two girls. Now, how many of you know, okay, I can easily overpower them. It does not matter how energetic they are. It does not matter how strong they are. I can easily overpower them and beat them in arm wrestling. Okay? That's big enough to, to beat them, right? Even though I haven't been to gym for a while. But that's big enough. So, I can easily kill them. Like, it just takes me one second. Bam! But I didn't do it. Why? Because my friend paid my, for my trip. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> but my main reason is this. If I do that, if I, if, okay, uncle, let's do arm wrestle, and they two, two against one, and I just destroy their arm in one second, what will happen is they will hate me, right? They will hate me. Like, they will not want to play with me anymore. But I didn't do it. Why? I let them play. I let them try to beat me. I let them act as if I'm weak. I made myself weak. Why? In order to win their heart. In order to win their heart. And this is what God does to us. Do you know that this, what happened to Jacob, is the story of the cross? Because what, that, what did God do at the cross? At the cross of Jesus Christ, God made himself weak. God took, form, took the form of a man. He became weak like us. He became one of us. But that, what did God do? God suffered the full punishment of God's wrath. So be, the only reason God can bless Jacob is because God cursed someone else's. The only reason God can bless us who deserve a curse because someone else who deserve to bless, deserve, deserve blessing has been cursed. And this is the story of the gospel, my friend. What did God do? God became a man. He took the full anger of God. Not just a touch. He took the full omnipotent power of God at the cross. God unleashed hell at the cross. God unleashed His anger at the cross. Why? So that in order for you and me today who believe in Jesus Christ, we receive the blessing of God. This is what Timothy Keller said. I cannot say it better than him. He says, Jacob held on at the risk of his life to get the blessing for him. But Jesus held on at the cost of his life to get the blessing for us. Do you know what he said? The only reason today, the only reason today that you and I have the blessing of God, the only reason that Jacob the liar can be called Jacob the winner is because a winner, the true winner, has been cursed at the cross. If you and I today can have eternal life 
and be called son and daughter of God and receive the blessing of God is because Jesus made himself weak and took on the punishment of sin. Let me close this way. Some of you today, you're wrestling with God. Some of you today, you are struggling with God. There's thing that you want and there's thing that God wants and they're collided. And you continue to fight, you continue to fight, you continue to fight. But let me tell you, my friend, it's time for you to learn how to lose. It's time for you to finally say, Lord, have your way in me. I surrender. And for many of us, in fact, for some of us in this place, God already crippled you. God already touched you. So now you're at the point in your life where your life is completely destroyed. You're completely helpless before God and you don't know what to do. You are just, God, I do not know how to survive without you. God, I'm just completely destroyed right now. And let me tell you, my friend, right now, God is smiling because He's ready to ask you one question. What is your name? And the moment you confess, here I am, Lord. I'm Yossi, a sinner, a rebel, who, who always want to have my way, but I'm helpless. I'm completely helpless before you right now. At that moment, God said, it's time for me to give you a new name. Let's pray. God, I pray. For many of, us, many of us in this place, Lord, maybe we have yet to come to know you. Maybe we're at the point where we, we think we know you. We're excited about you because our friends are excited about you. Because our MC are excited about you. But we have yet to come to know you. And tonight, my praise, Lord, that you continue to pursue them. Continue to run hard after their heart. Continue to pursue them. In fact, not only pursue them, but continue to fight with them. Pick a fight with them. Cripple them. In order for them to see, to finally see your beauty, your grace that you want to give to them. That you want to give them you. And for my friend in this place, God, maybe we're struggling. Maybe we... We've been wrestling with you for some time, maybe for days, maybe for months. We've been wrestling. We've been in wrestling mad against you. Pray tonight, Lord, I pray. Tonight we'll be able to say it's time for us to finally say, Lord, I can't. I lost. For in losing the battle, we won. We win. And for many of us, maybe tonight, Lord, we're in a position where we're already completely destroyed before you. We're completely helpless before you. And my prayer is that tonight we admit our name. We admit our condition before you. We admit our helplessness before you. But we want to say like Jacob, I will not let you go until you bless me. And today, because of the cross of Christ, you say, I want to bless you. God is more than ready to bless you when you surrender to Him. So I pray for my brothers and sisters in this place. May we be a generation who know that in order to win, we must learn to lose. And I ask this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's send to our feet as we worship.